Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com because it's packed with free resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey that you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before I go any further, I want to introduce you to someone really cool and interesting. I was introduced to Devi Maisha by Kimra Luna, a former podcast guest and now friend of mine. Kimra organized a ladies' night for a few of her queer female entrepreneur friends downtown in New York City, and Maisha was there. From the moment we started talking, I could tell she was wise and deep and super interesting to listen to, so I invited her on the podcast on the spot, knowing she would have great ideas to share, even though at the time I had no idea what those ideas would be. As you'll hear for yourself, Maisha is an engaging and thought-provoking guest, and I had a great time the whole way through the interview. During the episode, Maisha shares her best tips for how to perform what she calls sex magic, how to use sex for healing and transforming your life, how to excavate and overcome sexual and romantic jealousy, and strategies for increasing your personal sense of power. I'm grateful to Kimra Luna for introducing me to Maisha. And by the way, for anyone who hasn't yet listened to Kimra's episode on the podcast, be sure to check that episode out after you finish this one because her story is amazing. But before you do that, I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging interview with Debbie Maisha. All right, Maisha. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me into your space. The night that we met, we had this great conversation. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to talk again and to share your wisdom with the women wanting women community. Absolutely. I am here. So what do you love most about women? The first word that comes to mind is sisterhood. Um, the ability of women to rally around other women regardless of anything that's going on and just and offer support. The compassion, the sensuality, the wildness, the magic of women, how we can take anything and create something out of it. I love that. I love that about women. I love our 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 out of controlness to some extent and our ability to to flow. Yeah, you're really definitely describing the sacred feminine if we're going to look at things in terms of the archetypes. I love how you call it the wildness and the out of controlness because sometimes we can be afraid of those sides of us, right? Um, the parts is out of control. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think we are very we've been taught to be very repressed, you know, and not acknowledge our anger or passion too much. 
uh, and to and to hide that to try and be nice and good to be seen as valued or respected or acceptable, unless we're unless we're doing it from a masculine perspective, then that seems to be okay. So how do you do it from a feminine perspective? I think from a feminine perspective, it just, it means acknowledging the emotions and feeling it in our body and letting it run its course instead of pretending it's not there or stuffing it down or discounting it. Um, a lot of us discount how we feel or we apologize for it. Um, men don't apologize for how they feel. <laughs> No, I, I hear what you're saying about the discounting how we feel, not thinking we have a right to it. Yeah. But it is in the body. And that's, did you always know how to do this or did you have to be taught? A combination of both. Um, it's something that I've always felt in myself, but I, but I, I don't think I had names for it. I didn't have words for it. I didn't have ways to describe it. But through study, like I started studying neo-paganism and a lot of the goddess worship when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And that opened up a new doorway for me in terms of what it meant to be a woman. I mean, I was always definitely in the feminine way, but I think that really helped me to understand what it meant to be more in my body. Um, I always danced. I was a dancer. So that probably helped me learn how to do that. But I didn't know how to express the emotions. I didn't know that part because I wasn't allowed that piece. So I had to learn that as an adult. What were some of the big takeaways when of learning what it meant to be a woman that you took away from these theories that you were studying with neo-paganism and goddess worship? What were some big mind-blowing things that you didn't know before that then you knew that you learned? How fucking powerful we are. Just our, our inherent magic, our ability to form something out of nothing literally and figuratively and that and that our power did partially lie in in our sensuality and our sexuality and that was something that you know like most women I was that's that was not included in my upbringing <laughs> at all you know and it was just seen as this bad bad thing but I learned how we can create with that energy and that it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't just for someone else to come and take. It was ours to give. I definitely love that idea of our sensuality and our sexuality being something that we have to give, not something that can come and be taken. But I'm curious to hear more when you're talking about the inherent magic that we form something out of nothing. In what ways? I mean, I know, of course, the woman's body can create life, which is the most unbelievable magic trick on Earth. Uh, but are there other ways that you are referring to inherent magic of a woman that maybe a, a man wouldn't have in a way that I'm not understanding? Or is there more to it? Yes. So birth is like the easiest way to see it, but that's just one aspect of it, definitely. But that we can use our that same energy, whether we are solo or partnered with someone, to create wealth, to create opportunities to to transform our lives that same that same energy that's used that's the one of the things that i learned in my studies that same energy that's used to literally create a baby so the sexual energy yes 
Yeah. So what does that mean? Your desire? Your, how does that work? Yes, your desires, whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever it is that you're looking to create, that you can literally use your sexual energy to make that manifest into reality. How? Uh, Self-pleasure, literally, masturbation. Um, There are mantras or affirmations that you can create, that you can say at that time. Literally, orgasms rewire the brain. There's 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 a huge science behind it. But during that point of impact, if you will, we can actually begin to bring forth the thing that we are looking to have. It's one of the ways that I've used to create my life. Um, But that's one of the things that I learned earlier on, but didn't quite grasp or understand completely until later in my life. I love this. So you're saying that with certain mantras that, that can be used during self pleasure at the point of orgasm, the brain rewires so that we can change our lives in a physical sense by some sort of rewiring using masturbation? Yes, absolutely. That's a pretty basic way to think about it, yeah. Can you tell me more about this? I've never heard of this. I love it. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know how to, it's, that's about as clear as it gets, like literally. All right, cool. Well, what, what sort of a mantra would you then recommend? Yeah, so that depends on the woman, right? So if if what I'm looking to create is more wealth then you know the some the something that i might say might be you know i'm increasing wealth and abundance in my life you know that's it's up to the individual to create and there's so much more to it than that because as women historically we always worked with the herbs and the earth and the magic of the moon and the cycles of the moon we've always worked that way until religion and and other power forces came in and and stripped that from us and then we were detached from that and then told that our power would be found oftentimes in a man you know whether it be a religious figure or an actual man but we were taken away from that innate power that we once had to be that person the healer of the village the shaman the witch uh, the sacred priestess and the sex goddess who assisted warriors in winning a war. All of that was us. And then it was stripped from us. And then we were told, don't do any of those things. And if you want to be really good, you know, and gain entry into this other place, then follow this path. I love where this conversation is going. I didn't expect it. <laughs> and no, it's amazing because it's so great to just have this other perspective. These aren't the sorts of things that I was taught growing up. These aren't the folklore. I I didn't study these things, but uh, all around the world, there have been these sort of pagan practices, worshiping women, worshiping pussy, worshiping all of this um, and these powers that you speak of. And I don't know anything about it. Can you tell, can you tell me more about these, these witchy ways of, of increasing power sure, and, and healing and yeah. what else do you know that I don't know? I don't even know what to ask. Let's just... <laughs> so I just came from Georgia where I spoke at a rise of the divine feminine expo and the focus was on two, um, two aspects. So one was Lilith 
and the other was Oya. And they're very, they come from very different lineages, right? So Oya is, uh, she is the aspect of the feminine that is chaos and destruction. She is the part of mother nature that is the hurricane, the tornado, the, the forest fire. But out of that, like if you look at a forest fire, out of that, what looks like chaos and destruction comes some of the, the most fertile soil that exists. And the most beautiful things grow out of the aftermath of that. And so Oya or Kali in the Hindu realm represent this, this whirlwind that women have, the, the crazy, if you will, right? Our anger, our, um, our ability to just tear everything down. Uh, but when used properly and when we understand that flow, how we can actually use our anger to rebuild something. So if you look at some of the movements that women have started, um, this, there was this desire to kind of tear down um, whatever system was in place and rebuild something new. So that, that's that representation. Lilith, whom I absolutely love, is the representation of a woman's inherent power and her inability to be controlled. <laughs> in the folklore, in the Hebrew tradition, she was Adam's first wife and uh, she would not listen or submit to Adam and saw herself as his equal. And so uh, she decided to go off on her own and hence Eve was created for him instead, who was much more malleable. And these are archetypes, right? So it's the, it's the submissive side of a woman. But Lilith was the side that, that said, no, I'm going to go forge my own way. And I'm going to be as sensual and as sexual as I want to be. And I am going to create from that side of myself. And I will not be obedient to anything because I, I am a goddess. And there's no reason for me to. Is this in the Bible? I'm, I'm, I honestly never read the Bible, so I don't know. Is this in the Bible or this is? Lilith is not in the Bible. She is not a Christian um, entity. She is, well, she is more of, a, of an ancient Hebrew entity. Right, but the Hebrew um, have the First Testament week. Right, right. So is it in the First Testament? No, no, she's not. She's not. This is like, these are pieces that, according to folklore, have been stripped out. There are tons of books that have just been not included right. in the religious texts. I mean, tons of books. There are books that, um, all of the, anything that describe anything that a woman wrote in the Bible was pretty much taken out when the Nicene Council got together, uh, and I forget the year, but when they came together and decided that they wanted to create this book that could be used to subjugate people, they took out parts of the Bible. Or they took out, well, it wasn't the Bible. They took out parts of the manuscripts that had been written. So Lilith is one of those where, um, if you ask a rabbi about Lilith, he will tell you the stories, but it, you're not gonna find it in the books. And so who are some other women that wrote, who are some women that were taken removed? I didn't. Did you say anything? Oh, I don't. I don't even know who all of them are. I know that there, there are there are scholars that say Mary Magdalene wrote some parts that were not included, um, and that Jesus's mother also wrote some parts that were not included. I didn't know any of this. I don't study any religion 
or take any of it, um, you know, as, as a part of my daily life. But I love hearing about this. I love it. This is so interesting. And so our, what are Lilith and Oya? Oya? Oya. Mm-hmm. And Oya, what are they considered? They're, they're considered to be goddesses then here? They are considered to be goddesses. Um, and so I don't take goddesses literally. Uh, I, I see them as us as humans looking for ways to understand the different pieces of who we are. And in most major cultures, there are seven major aspects. Uh, the Greeks and Romans had them. Uh, the Norse had them as well. Thor is one of them, for instance. West Africa. And they're the seven, the seven major aspects? What does that mean? Seven major powers. Okay, what are they? I love this. I never remember all of them. And I always remember each one of them from different places. Um, so Thor is one, right? In the Norse, he would be considered, uh, oh gosh, Shango in West Africa. So some are, in this seven major aspects, are some taking like a god masculine shape and then others like a goddess feminine shape? Is that? Exactly, exactly. Like someone represents love, like Aphrodite, right? You know, someone represents love, someone represents anger, like kind of like the seven deadly sins, if you will. Yeah, so someone represents different aspects of who we are as human beings. And which is what you see it as, is ways to understand pieces of who we are as human beings. Correct. And then how do we then bring that back to our daily life for more effectiveness? Yeah. So what some people do and and how it's easier for them to deal with these aspects is then to look toward this deity and ask them for that particular strength that maybe they don't feel like they have within themselves to help them power up, right? So if I'm looking... Um, for more aggression, you know, maybe I will reach out to the deity who deals with anger. If I'm looking for love, I would reach out to the goddess who represents love to increase that aspect in my life. Right. To almost like tune into that channel or frequency, because these archetypes have obviously lasted through generations and millennia and all throughout time. So they must be a pretty clear channel then for what it is that we're pointing to. Exactly. Exactly. Very interesting stuff. Um, Wow. I'm so glad I asked this question. (laughs) And so that's, and is this the sort of thing you were speaking about when you said that you had been studying neo-paganism and goddess worship? Right. So it started out that way. Correct. And that's part of what we learned is as how to tap into that power within us. That's part of what we were taught. So we were talking also about what you call sex magic. Does that also overlap in this or is that something totally separate? No, absolutely. It's, it's really all the same. I mean, magic is just a, it's a fancy word, but it's just, it's like alchemy, right? It's the, it's the ability to take, to take something, you know, and, and turn it into something else. It's that it's, it's the understanding that we have that ability to, to create our lives. So then do you have stories for how um, we can take it out of the conceptual and bring it sort of down into the practical, just stories of what you mean or what you've observed or? 
so to put it into the to put it into practical terms, if a person is looking to create something, they can literally have sex with someone else and and at the point of orgasm speak the thing into existence that they're looking to create. I would suggest doing it more than one time, but that's literally what can be done. Like in the absolute physical sense. Wow. I've never heard this. I love it. <laughs> um and so do you want to tell the other person before you do it so that you don't freak them out (laughs) um yes yes so it's helpful to let the other person know right because otherwise you're just going to be saying stuff and may freak them out right that you want to like let them know that that you're going to be or you can or you can say it in your you can say it in your head you can say it in your head you don't have to say it out loud yeah, I mean, if the if the other person knows and you can say it out loud, that's great. If not, you can just repeat it in your own mind. Wow, this is so interesting. And so, and this is what you call sex magic. It is. I love it. What else do you teach about? What else do you work with women about? Sure. So I also help women to deal with um, it, any parts of themselves that are repressed sexually. Um, So I help women deal with communication issues that they may have with their partners, being able to use their voice, being able to say what it is that they want, what they desire in their relationships, dealing with shame around sex, helping them to feel freer sexually. A lot of women don't even make noise while they're having sex, Um, helping them to feel safe in their bodies. That's That's really such important work. It's so, so important. I mean, there's so many reasons why women, especially in our community, uh, end up feeling shame, end up feeling repressed, just because inherently so much, so many of us grew up in communities where we're told that it, enjoying pleasure with another woman sexually is wrong. Absolutely. You, you as well? Were, were you, was there freedom around that for you when you were growing up? So for me, growing up sexually, sex was something that you did when you were married. That's pretty much the end of the story. Right. <laughs> and how old were you when you were, and then how did you start to, or have experiences with, with women? Um, when I was a teenager, so I went to boarding school, which probably gave me a little bit more freedom to explore than it did most people because there were no parents there. Um, and so I was able to kind of do small little snippets of, of experimentation, like nothing, nothing on a large grand scale, but I was, I was in an, I was in an atmosphere where I could at least be open to discussing it without it, without it being a thing. It just, it really kind of wasn't a thing, um, in my high school at all. So I was, I was, I guess I was blessed in that manner. Um, when you say it wasn't a thing, you don't mean people didn't do it. You mean just people didn't have a problem with anyone who did it. Yeah, no one seemed to have, no one seemed to care much. I mean, I can't speak for the guys, right? Um, you know, or or men who were experiment, you know, the boys experimenting with themselves. But as far as the girls went, nobody, nobody particularly cared. It wasn't a big deal. But it did go on? Did Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We had a whole club. Uh, I don't even know what the name of the club was. You had a club. Yeah. And what did you just all? What did you do in the club? 
Uh, I was I wasn't in the club, but there was a club at my school. There we go. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you got yours without having to go to the club. Good for you. That's amazing. So, but still, <laughs> such such important work helping women deal with repression with shame. So, what is what are some ways that you help? What are some things that you do? Um, some ways in which you work with women, or some advice you have. Well, there are two ways that I work with women. Generally, it's through coaching, um, but I also offer body work for women in the city, where I do um, what I call a, I do yoni activation. With women, uh, the yoni is a Sanskrit word for vagina. So I will help women to, uh, basically it's a vaginal massage. And I will do a full body energy scan and energy work and just a very sensual um, erotic massage. That's It's not designed for sex. It's designed to help a woman just feel safe and know that it's safe to be touched without the expectation of doing anything. So she's just allowed to receive the pleasure of being touched without having to perform or do anything else just to help her open up to allowing pleasure to come into her life. And that then translates into allowing pleasure to come into her life in terms of a relationship, in terms of her career and work, in terms of her finances, all across the board. I've never met anyone who does this kind of work before. How did you learn to to give this, or how did you, how did this work come to you? Or how did you come to this work? That's a great question that I wish I, I don't know how I, how I came to it. It was a gradual progression of things. Um, I've always been interested in sex and sexuality. I've always been interested in helping other women it was probably reading Our Bodies, Ourselves in high school that got me most interested, uh, reading the Kama Sutra, and then learning about Tantra. You Did you learn about Kama Sutra and Tantra back through high school? Were you that young when you learned about this? No. No, I didn't learn about the Kama Sutra really until I was about 18 or 19 years old. That's still quite young. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, still young. It's still so, really yeah. young. So positions for better sex, positions for healing. That's in the Kama Sutra, positions for better sex and, yeah. and, and also positions for healing? Well, because in the Kama Sutra, the, the, the positions are for healing, but they also bring about better sex. What are they healing? Anything, anything, anything from mental illness to arthritis, anything from depression to arthritis. <laughs> and everything in between? And everything in between. So how does that work? Is it just because sex is a powerful way to move energy through the body? And oftentimes when there's healing to be had, it's because there's energy blockages. So it's sort of, is that kind of the theory behind it? That's exactly it. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't know this, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what were some takeaways that you still, are, is there anything that you learned then that you still use or teach or can explain? Yeah. Well, first of all, the very thing that you just said. <laughs> so I really, I really help women to understand that sex is a great activity, but there's also energy surrounding sex. It's, it's, we're energetic beings. And so there's, you're creating something when you're engaging with someone beyond the pleasure of sex. 
and and also that that pleasure of sex is is such an important part of who we are it's been dumbed down to just this let me get off let me have this orgasm but there's so or it's or it's used for people to fill this void that they have of being alone or lonely there's so much more to sex than that there's so much more to all of it there's so much more to the cuddling the kissing the connection of it before you get anywhere near an orgasm and i really help women to understand that energy and to be able to cultivate it even if they're by themselves even if they're solo with no partner but especially if they're with a partner and to be able to connect with their partner on on an even deeper level besides just the physical just keep talking and tell me more i love what you're saying cuz there i love this idea of engaging beyond the pleasure yes yes so there are a lot of new there's a lot of new science that's coming out like epigenetics and other neurosciences that are coming out that are saying that a lot of what happens to us is stored in our bodies is stored in our dna in our cells any trauma we've experienced um thought patterns that we have and so energy work be, can be a way to release a lot of that trauma through the body so that it's it is released from from the from the thinking of the mind and one of the best ways to do that is pleasure fear is the fastest way to wire the brain it is very quick because we want to survive so if someone grows up in a household that happens to be um abusive fear is a quick way to wire the brain so that this child then grows up saying i can't trust people or this child grows up saying i must always please people so no one is angry with me pleasure takes a longer time but it's far more rewarding and it's a beautiful way to transmute that fear and that mistrust and that anger into something beautiful and allow the body to let it go to disperse it and if we're with the right partner who can assist us with that without us being attached to the the possessive i love you i need you you have to you have to love me peace but allow this person to just connect with us on the energetic level we can actually begin to heal the pain that we've experienced there was a lot in there um and i and i and so starting with the idea that trauma and thought patterns get get stored in the body which is um more and more being accepted on and the um the science you quote is epigenetics which which makes a lot of sense um and then the different ways that energy can be released or stored there's fear which happens really fast it's a fast way to wire the brain because we have these survival instincts so if we touch something and then it almost kills us we know really fast our brain is going to remember very quickly don't don't touch that and um it might even get stored so deep down into our cells so we've got all these fears stuck in us and if we want to start to disperse the fear and transmute the fear um pleasure is a great way to do that But how do we do it purposefully? That's what I don't understand because I I think a lot of people have been having sex for a long time but they still live in fear and survival mode. What's um how do we how do we 
have it so that people are using sex in this very mindful or I don't know, maybe it's the opposite of mind in this in such a in such a high level way. Yeah. So one of the ways is to begin to just to become aware. I mean, yes, meditation is is definitely a way to do that. And sex can be very meditative. Um, in a way it is meditative. You lose yourself in the moment of sex. You, you know, time slips away. You're you're literally in the moment. That is meditation. That's what meditation is. It's just being present. Although a lot of women are not actually present when they're having sex, they are busy thinking about tons of other things and they're not even in their bodies enough to enjoy the experience that they're having. Uh, But meditation is definitely a way to do that. Learning just how to bring awareness to self. One of the, one of the tools that I give women is just, is learning how to breathe just it's amazing how many people don't take time to take deep breaths and feel into their body. And um, so I'm running a group now, and that's one of the things that I'm having the women do, aside from self-pleasure. But it's also breathing through their orgasm and not tensing up and contracting. So for women to learn how to breathe through the pleasure, because oftentimes we've been taught that we're allowed a small part of pleasure, but we're not allowed the fullness of all of our pleasure. And we're taught to fear that we may be too out of control. We might be too much. And we try very hard to stay in this quiet space that doesn't offend people too much, lest we be labeled a bitch, you know? Um, And so we try to keep ourselves small. Um, So just becoming more aware of what you know, what's being felt at that time, what thoughts are going through the body, not being attached to them, but just being aware of, of what's happening and why, why it's, why it's happening. Those are really good places to start. I mean, the best advice that I, I feel like the universally best advice under any circumstance, if you want to achieve any outcome, if you ask, what can I do? Uh, number one step, become present in the moment. Yes. Right. That's just like always the best advice. So there's, we know we're on the right track when you start with that. And which is, and it's such good advice because it's true that so often we're in our heads during sex or it's so easy to not be present in the moment. But if there's any time in life where we might as well be present in our bodies, should, should be sex. Right. Um, And so it's a great excuse to be practicing body awareness because when is a better time? And breathing, because breathing, of course, enhances all of it. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, breathing just enhances awareness. And it's so healthy. And we are said to use, like, only a small portion of our lungs anyway. So, you know, deep breathing is so cleansing. And, and, and it's just because if you were to say to yourself, you know, what's the best way we can heal from anything, present moment awareness and, and deep breathing is always a great excuse. And using sex as a way to deepen all of that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I do know, I do know what you mean about women fearing being too much. Do you think men are, yeah, probably we're taught more than men, right? That, would you say, the way we're socialized? I would say so. I would say so. I think we're definitely socialized to not be as, um, not be as assertive, not be as adventurous. You know, I think, I think men are given more leave way in that way. Now, men have their own 
that there are certain things that they're not allowed to do as men, which, which screw them over as well. Um, but for women, we're definitely not given the space to really um, play full out the embodiment of who we are. We're often told to calm down, you know. <laughs> that all really sounds very true to me. It sounds, it, it rings true with the experience that I've experienced. I love everything you're saying. You're so wise. You, you also brought in something separate, um, which is interesting, and maybe we can get into it. Earlier on, you talked before um, just about becoming aware, you also talked about this detachment from neediness in this energetic exchange. Absolutely. I think that it, it, it in particular for women especially, um, that idea has been very detrimental to us. None of us has escaped the conditioning of Disney. None of us have escaped the, the need to fit the slipper or wait for someone to save us or, um, or that our lives will start once our true love has appeared. You know, there's some piece of that in, in each of us. And so for many women, we have this idea that in order for our life to be complete and fulfilled, we must have the person the one, if you will, that will love us. And so therefore we are now lovable. And what I teach women is to love themselves so completely that if or when someone else should come along, that's just extra water in their bucket, but that no one is here to fill up the love bucket for them. And that's that's so much more empowering because now as a woman, you're not waiting for someone else to love you. You are loving you and enjoying your life. And when women do that, amazingly, people just come along and want to love her. Absolutely. <laughs> they want that energy. Absolutely. I think that the only, the only way that anyone can maintain power in any relationship is by knowing that we're going to have everything we want from love in this lifetime. And it doesn't have to come from the person standing in front of us. Um, I always teach it, that. It doesn't. But um, yeah. it, it may not come from a, a, it may not come from a romantic relationship either, but it doesn't make it any less valid. So do you practice polyamory? Is that a part of your lifestyle as well? I, I am poly. You're I am poly and kink. So I'm all, I'm all the strange things. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't know what's strange anymore, <laughs> but I do love to hear different perspectives. I do love learning from polyamorous people because I've, I always feel that there's so much that I can learn about jealousy and, and detachment and, um, and all of it. I think that by being friends with so many poly people, I've really been able to check a lot of my assumptions in life. It, it, it'll definitely force you to grow. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> when did you start and how do you deal with the jealousy? Um, I can't tell you when anything started. I, people have asked me that before and it's not like, it's, it's not something that I woke up one day and discovered. If anything, I discovered a name for it. 
Um, how do I deal with jealousy? Honestly, whenever I'm feeling jealous about something, it is an indicator to me that I'm not taking care of myself. And so I'm looking for someone else to take care of that thing for me. And so I've now put power in someone else's hands to make me feel better. And because they can't come make me feel better, now we have a problem. And so that's, that's my general take. I mean, it happens. I get jealous. Um, but I use that as a moment to say, what is it that I really need? What is it that this jealousy represents for me right now in this moment? And what have you found? What have you usually found when you've asked yourself that? I mean, it depends. It really depends on the situation. Um, sometimes I found that maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not doing something that I want to do. I'm spending my time waiting to see what the other person wants to do. And so now I feel like my time hasn't been valued because I've been waiting for them. But the question is, why am I waiting for them? Why am I not going to do the things that I enjoy doing on my own or finding someone else to go do them with? Maybe I'm jealous because they're spending their time with someone else. Is that really the problem? Or is it just that I would like someone else to spend my time with? And then why don't I go find that? Um, Yeah, it could be just that just that simple and usually it's one of those two things especially the time thing it's like I've been sitting here all day doing nothing well whose whose decision was that (laughs) it was mine you know they didn't know what I was thinking totally I love it thank you for sharing these perspectives this is so great I love hearing it so can we get back to yoni activation there are probably a million more questions I should be asking you about that yeah how did you start learning about that I learned about that through Tantra and through reflexology. Uh, Part of my Tantra training has been um, Chinese medicine and reflexology, understanding meridian lines, nerve centers, parts of human anatomy, uh, and also combined with the understanding of how trauma is often stored in a woman's body. And one of the places it is often stored is well two places our our vulvas and our heart space and there are and more recently our throat and so there are lots of issues that are popping up um with women many more fibroids a lot more a lot of uterine cancer cervical cancer um pcos which is basically a doctor's way of saying i don't have a clue what's going on with you and i'm just going to call it a syndrome um there there are a lot more medical issues that women are having from emotions that are stored in that area the same with our our heart area and Breast cancer and heart attacks have been on the rise in women for a couple of decades now. And now thyroid issues are becoming huge. Graves disease, Hashimoto's. Um, these were not huge 50 years ago. And so one of the things that the yoni activation does is just, it's literally like you would massage any other part of your body. If you've got a knot in your back or your lower back is stiff and it's tight, it makes it really hard to sit or bend over and you have back pain. The same thing, except for you might not feel physical pain, it's causing emotional pain. And so it's just a way to massage and begin to loosen up the, the, the muscles, the nerve endings in that area, the tissue, to allow it to relax and to feel pleasure in a safe environment 
to let your body know that it's okay to begin to open up that way. I'm just thinking about the amount of trust you must need to bring to the table when you meet with a new client to be doing this kind of work. It's pretty extraordinary, but you are, you're such an open, an open spirit. I can see why you would make people feel safe that way. Thank you. I actually wanted to do it. I wanted to do it because I know that there are women who don't necessarily feel safe with a man doing it, you know? Of course. Yeah. I can totally see that. If you, if you've gone through trauma, you, you know, no matter how great he might be, just the idea of another man touching you in that area is just, it's just not going to work. Are there men that do yoni activation massages? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And they're great at it and they're wonderful. Um, but again, every woman might not be ready for that or even want that. I didn't even know about this. So what sort of communities, what is, this is within a tantra community? Is this sort of the sort of thing you'd find? It is. It is a tantra body work, energy workers uh, within that community. Some in the in the orgasmic meditation community or oming as well. There's some aspects there with it also. But isn't oming just about touching one small part of like the upper part of the clitoris? Is that's the method? But it's about a lot more than that. It's That's just the method of what's used, but the point of it is, again, that same res- allowing a woman to relax and receive in, in a safe environment and to feel in her own power. Are all yoni activation massages only focusing on that same quadrant, as they call it, or? No. No, we focus on the inner and outer labia, the vaginal canal. Um, the focus is not very much on the clitoris at all. And is this a particular school that you learn from, or do you just um, feel energy and can sense what, what's needed in the in the moment? So there is there is training through um, like Authentic Tantra Institute. They actually do training on yoni and lingam massages. Uh, I had learned about it previously. I'm going to go through them as well um, just to to learn more. Uh, but and what is lingam? Is that the word for penis? That's the penis. Yeah. I knew Yoni, but I guess I spend more time. (laughs) Cool. So, yeah. um, So, I mean, I'm going to go through their training. But yes, uh, before that, yes, I I did go through training for it. Um, And again, a lot of it it has to do with reflexology. And it does, yes, energy work. I mean, I have gone through Reiki training. So I do bring that to the table as well. um, And also chakra healing training. So I bring that to the, you know, I bring that to my practice also. Well, you've really done a lot of work on, um, <laughs> on being a healer. This is incredible stuff. And then also Chinese. So um, when we're talking about Tantra, that is more from uh, like an Indian lineage, right? Yeah. So there's, uh, there's the Hindu lineage and there's also Buddhist, Buddhist lineage. Which is Tibetan or where is that from? Yep. Or is that also India? Tibetan Buddhism. Correct. And that's Tantra? we're still talking about? Yes. And then you yes. also were talking about Chinese meridians. Was that a separate study that you did? Uh, Taoism is another form of sacred sexuality, which exists in Asia. And that, so that uses a lot of Chinese medicine, if you will, or reflexology and acupressure points. So what are, what are some things that women can try and do other than of course breathing present moment awareness and all that but in terms of more just focusing on chakras whether it's 
solo or during lovemaking, are there uh, certain practices with meridians or chakras or any sort of movement along energy lines that you could explain um, that you wouldn't need to be in person for, but that you could explain that you could teach about? Yeah. So, I mean, um, there are breathing exercises that help activate specific areas of, of the body. Absolutely. That's something that women can learn how to do. Um, learning how to breathe energy up their body. Yes, absolutely. That's something that they can learn how to do. Is there suggestions that you have for learning? So I don't, I don't have classes where I specifically teach those methods. I incorporate them into whatever it is that I'm doing. Uh, like the, the, the program that I'm running now, we have gone over some breathing techniques. Um, when I'm with clients doing energy work or body work, I'm encouraging them to breathe, but I'm facilitating more of the energy than I'm asking them to do. Right. So a lot of times when you're doing this work, you're the one moving the energy up and down. Are there any suggestions you have for someone at home that may be in a different part of the world that may never have the chance to meet you that some some things that can be implemented just on our own? Um, yes. Um, it's difficult to des- like it's difficult to describe the, the process in an audio. Yeah. Right. Um, but definitely just taking time. I would suggest everyone just start with learning to meditate and, and feel into your body. That's that's just the basic general thing that um, anyone needs to learn how to do. If you know where the chakras are and you have some understanding of them, then you can begin to breathe the color into each chakra and work your way up your spine that way. If you have no understanding of what the chakras are, I, I would highly suggest... Um, there are some great videos on YouTube by Source School of Tantra that would probably be really helpful for, for someone who... Source. Mm-hmm. It's a Tantra school. And uh, I, those videos are really great at explaining a lot of energy work and things that, that people can do. It's always good to have the visual along with the, with the audio. As far as chakras go, I'm really familiar with Anadea Judith and the book The Wheel of Life. Um, but I'm not... Sure. I don't know anything about meridians, though. Or do they tend to follow similar pathways as chakras? Or So chakras are the basic energy points in the body. It's kind of like a beltway. So if you think about like Washington, D.C. and how there's like a beltway around the city and the meridian lines are the are the the highways that feed into the beltway. Ah. And so meridians, are they that's used more during than specific massage and acupuncture? Um, they're used for acupuncture and acupressure. They're used for both. The difference being acupuncture is with the needles. Right. And Reiki, no touching. Sometimes. And sometimes there is touching. It depends. I I do, I do a combination of, of, of touch and no touch. Um, but I also use another energy healing modality called chelations where there is touch. So I, I do a combination of both. So you're taking... When you're working with people, you're taking from so many different trainings. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like you've been working for years on this, and it's and since you were a teenager, since discovering all this stuff. Wow, it's been quite a journey for you. It, so far, it has been, and it just keeps getting better. I love it. Are what, are there any other like if you had something that every woman that you just wish every woman could know about herself, or um, or that more people in the world understood, like a message you'd just wish you could get out as far and wide as possible would it be? You are powerful all by yourself. 
just all by yourself, you are powerful. So much of what we do as women is for the approval of others, the liking, the love, the everything. We're always looking for someone else to validate our existence in some way. And I just wish women would understand that the fact that you breathe air validates you. That's all you need. The fact that you breathe air. Why? Because you're here. That's it. You're here. You don't need anybody else. You exist. That's validation. And we would all behave and live in our truth so much differently if we understood that. It's beautiful. The fact that you breathe air validates it. Yep. And what about for women that don't feel deserving or for people that, that are self-punishing or don't feel deserving? It's the same thing. That's exactly why I want them all to understand that. It's that there's, you're here. That's, that's the, the, the idea of not deserving comes from someone else's story that's not your own. That's not, that's, not, that's not you. That's someone else's trash that they put on you, but that doesn't belong to you. And we take on so many other people's stories as our own. And it's just, and then that becomes the persona that we are. And that's, it's just, it's false. And then we become caricatures of someone else's creation when we're so much more than that. You're so wise. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. It's really fun talking to you. Yeah, I can talk um, if, if necessary. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it's really important to me that women just just know how sovereign and powerful they are in a world that tells them often that they're not. Beautiful. Much of it is also just the banding together of women. We have all been divided because divided keeps us powerless. And if we came together as women, we would be so much more powerful and we could affect humongous change. And that's just, that's just a known fact. We shift things. We shift things all the time. It's easier to keep us divided amongst race, class, culture, and economic status and age, religion, than it is to allow us to come together as women in sisterhood, which is one of the things I said that I love most about women, is the sisterhood that we can create. But it's, it's a lot easier to control us if you're over here and I'm over here and you give us reasons why we should not come together, then, you know. Uh, I grew up with a saying that um, my father used to always tell me, a nation can rise no higher than its woman. And, and I've, and he's, he said that my whole entire life and, and what he was, was saying in that is the women are the teachers of the children. And so, and this is not a, a sexist thing. It's just that in most cultures, the women are the teachers of the children. And so if your women are poor and uneducated and, and subjugated, your nation can't rise to greatness if you treat your woman like shit, it just won't, you know? And so if we as women really understood how powerful that is and came together, we would all rise. We would all be great. You're great. <laughs> Thank you. So are you. <laughs> I love this conversation. I'm so glad that we got to do this. Where can women find you? I didn't get to ask you that. 
<laughs> sure, I can be found um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Sensual Energy Alchemy, and also my website, sensualenergyalchemy.com. I'll have links to all of that below. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, really. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're wonderful, Manisha. Great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> and now I would love to hear from you. We covered so many things on this episode, but I'm curious. What of the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and to have passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources that can help you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a class on the number one thing you can do to end your loneliness if you're single, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to find your soulmate faster and easier and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. <laughs>